Holy stomach vaginas, Batman. It's the Movie Crew Podcast. And tonight we're talking about David Cronenberg's Videodrome. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Welcome to the podcast. We're your hosts. I am Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Jared Callen. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing well, sir. And we also have with us a guest, returning guest, author Chris O'Brien. Hello, hello. How you doing there, Top man? Top of the morning to you, Chris. Good to hear you. <laughs> you ready to talk some more Cronenberg? Some more body horror? Seems like it's all I do on here. Was that your last time you were here? Oh, yeah. I've been on Scanners and Rabbit. Yeah. Wait, wait! You were on scanners because I thought I did scanners. Did I not? Did I not do scanners? No, no, no! I think you watched it and you were like, D- "What? What the fuck was that movie?" No, I no, I, I wouldn't it wouldn't have kept me from doing the podcast. Maybe I had to work or something. No, I think I, yeah, I think you did. But you, I remember having a conversation with you after in the garage, like, "Man, uh, what was that about?" Yeah, yeah, that that was a weird that was a weird ass movie. Not too different. Aren't they from all? This. <laughs> but I, you know, I like to think of this as like kind of the the first Cronenbergian. Cronenberg film? It's just the one that created the the, the Cronenberg. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Brian, and you know, and Jared. I was going to say, of all the Cronenberg movies, is this the Cronenbergiest? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, well, yeah. you, wait, you're saying like overall, you're like you're, you're you're throwing like Naked Lunch, and you're talking about past work as well. Yeah, I mean, but this one has has stuff in it that you still, for the most part, have not seen in any other movie. You know what I mean? Like, this has got stuff that's only in this movie to this day. Like what? I I haven't uh, seen. Very many. I think I've seen Scanners, uh, History of Violence, um, and this one. I think the Oh and the Fly. Oh, the I don't think I've seen anything. Yeah, seen anything beyond that? Yeah, I mean, like he sort of the Fly is where he's. That's like the apotheosis of his body horror. It's kind of like he took it as far as he could, and you know, then he kind of shied. Not that he shied away, but he kind of started to move beyond it or you know stray away. Um, there's elements of it in, in uh, Naked Launch and Existence and some of the other ones after that, but it's never as like prevalent as it is in these early films of it. And actually, it didn't really come in uh, very quickly in this one. It was actually, you know, um, just a really weird movie. And then, uh, you know, 
maybe even halfway through the uh, the the weird effects start coming in. So that's actually really cool. It kind of like holds it back for a while. I like that. Well, yeah, you got to set that baseline of normal, right? Before <laughs> before you go off the deep end and go and go batshit crazy. Oh, no doubt. James Wood's character, though, his baseline of normal. He's he's always kind of a skeezy douche, though. <laughs> uh, I think I think he just plays characters like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he is kind of a conservative, uh, wacko pervert in real life. Well, yeah, um, you know, but he actually he he comes out. He plays this so honest. He's 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 very good. Uh, he's just such a it's 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 really good acting on his part. He, he's so in the role. This is what he does. This is a James Wood uh, Friday Saturday night for him. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna whip the fuck out of this TV. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, James Woods has been me too out of Hollywood currently. I guess we're all aware of that. Oh, really? What did he do? I, I didn't see that. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure. That's what, but I, I think it has something to do with his conservative tweet. Man. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that, that's just him being crazy. I, I, I don't know if he got me too Did he get me too Well, they talk about he, he's apparently a member of Mensa. <laughs> so he does have an, a high IQ. And I don't know. I did listen to uh, his commentary, which is amusing in and of itself. Oh, really? I wish I'd have done that. He tells one ridiculous story where uh, I don't, you know, that 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 torture set or whatever the the actual Videodrome little set itself, like it's got that clay wall, and they go on yeah. about how uh, they wanted this electrified clay wall. Supposedly Cronenberg read that the Nazis had this, like I guess one, you know, this horrible concentration camps or something, you know, that somehow the clay I don't know, conducts water, or conducts electricity or something. But I don't know what he something about he wanted him then that set to have like this ankle deep water, like when he's whipping that TV and. James Woods was concerned about, you know, the electricity. But about, I don't know if he just thought maybe what if a light fell in this water or whatever. But it was kind of hilarious. He tells a story where he's talking to the gaffer or whatever. And he's like, uh, sir, can I speak to you? He's like, oh, yes. Uh, what is it? Or he's like, uh, may I ask you a question? Are you a parent? He's like, oh, yeah, I have a four-year-old daughter, as a matter of fact. James like, why don't you bring her down here? And we'll put her in this ankle-deep water and film that. <laughs> so needless to say, he got his way, and they didn't. Uh, they got rid of the water idea. Classy, that guy is. Classy. <laughs> You can add that water in post. <laughs> uh, well, they did have the water in uh, in the scenes without James Woods, but you're right with all the stuff with James Woods. I did notice the f- the lack of water on the floor. You know, also, he he refused to put on that VR helmet. Yeah, it was really? like I thought I, I, there, I saw he put it on. What are you talking about? It's Cronenberg though. Actually, that when they put the thing on and like you know when he's they not too bright or whatever, it's, that's actually Cronenberg with wearing the Woods costume, wherever the suit. I could have swore there's a shot of him putting it on. There maybe is, but when he's sitting in the chair and it, the camera kind of backs away and it's because the thing is just kind of blinking on and off. I mean, if you listen to commentaries, I think Cronenberg himself says. Okay, so they switched it out. James, James Woods was very paranoid at the time. He, he would talk a lot about they and us and people that were out to get him. And I was thinking, oh, well, he, because he was he doing was tons of cocaine, I bet. <laughs> or he was just really early on those pronoun changes that we've been getting lately. <laughs> <laughs> He's very woke back in the day. Oh, James Woods. He's a good actor, though. I mean, he's, he's got actor. good charisma. Let me look up uh, everything that he's done, because I'm totally not remembering. I know there's so many movies that I've seen that he's done that I'm just totally not remembering. What's, what's he most known for that, that you can think of up the top of your head? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what did he... All right, so... Vampire. Yeah, oh, he yeah, in... yeah he's, he's, he's good in that. He's in the uh, yeah, actually, that's, that's the number one. <laughs> Sylvester uh, Stallone? According to, 
Uh, Hercules, Videodrome, The Virgin Suicides, and Vampires. That's a uh, top four on IMDb. Wow, really? Hey, he's the dad, no Onion Field? Right. And no, ga- uh, no uh, Family Guy? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> he probably should he was, a, he was a voice on The Simpsons, too, where he played like a weirdo that was like, worked at the community, or, you know, the, the Quickie Mart trying to study for a role. Yeah, he's basically playing himself in Family Guy, so crazy fucker. Well, I told the joke uh, the lady, um rabbit episode, you know, where he's like, Peter, we're going to watch a movie. He's like, uh, what is it? It's called Videodrome. He's like, is there any nudity? Yeah, you see my ass. <laughs> <laughs> There's some nips in here. There's some nips. <laughs> and some naked women being, uh, you know, tortured. You know, if that's your thing. Oh, Debbie Harry kept her clothes on for the most part. What? No, man. There's like a sex scene with they have like by the TV and that like weird uh, yeah, orange well, Let me emphasize again, you only see James Wood's ass in this sex scene. What? No, you see her. Uh, you see her titty when he's piercing her ni- uh, her ears. You, you, you totally see. You totally see nipple. I know, but is that is that really her titty, or is that a Dick Smith makeup effect? Because she talks about how she had to have his body cast done by uh, Dick Smith. So I was thinking it's maybe when she burns herself with a cigarette. Like maybe that was. Yeah, that's that's totally. Yeah, that that has to be totally a body cast at that point. And uh, how how plausible is it that uh, a woman of her age at this time would not have her ears pierced already? Uh, or, you know, she's not even really a woman though, Jared. She's some sort of uh, VR construct, I guess. Oh, well, there you go. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Wait, yeah, what? no, you're right. That's, that's, that's something like 12 year old girls do or whatever. It's pretty the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like take a giant needle and, and jam it through the ear. <laughs> um, I get, no, I get this one's mm. what you're saying, but, um, like, you don't get that out of it, Brian, that she's like not real or, or what? No, no, I always thought she was real and then uh, she actually got murdered. Maybe at some point, but I mean, if, if, even if you listen to those commentaries and stuff, that by the time that he interacts with her, she's like she's already dead. Yeah, she's she's like something that they created specifically, or not created, but are utilizing specifically to lure him in. Oh, uh, right. I, I I can see that, but I didn't think she. I thought she was an actual person in the real world, though. She may have been a flesh and blood person at some point yeah. that they actually killed, you know, in Pittsburgh or wherever. But by, supposedly, by the time of the events of the movie, she's just like a you know manifestation or whatever a video drone wait you're saying even in the beginning like uh when he's being interviewed I on the team so, yeah I, I i think that's what it was saying in the movie i think it actually says that i think it says that i'd be wrong but that's what i get out of it when does it say that i, I totally missed that what when at the end when they're explaining it all when when they explain that she's dead i think that in that point at that point then they explain that she's been you know dead all along i don't know by this point of the movie i was like what the fuck is happening um <laughs> yeah i can see that <laughs> I, I i do love all the yeah. old tech and 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 all the things that they you know they, they make a good point of like especially at the beginning like just show him showing these people working on all this stuff and, and like his buddy you know the guy who's doing the uh satellite stealing who actually gets the uh gets the signal i, I love his whole setup it looks so badass Oh yeah, and inside, inside that little teeny room with the brick, I did. I like the brick on the wall. Yeah, but he's totally got this like uh, like motorized uh, satellite dish outside that you can tell it looks like it's you know been been kind of handmade. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that that is it is good. It's 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 old. It's kind of like watching Star Wars though. Well, almost. Hey, that's or, or Alien, the opening of Alien. Yeah, Holy exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you see in the computer screens, you're like. Eh. Yeah, sure. That's yeah, what the that, future is. I, I, the only time we see that green color on a TV screen or on a computer screen in the future is when you play Fallout 4. 
I mean, that's basically the, the only time. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, this they jam-packed uh, 89 minutes, I think. Oh, dude, yeah, totally. I mean, they, they do shove a lot in, uh, in a very short amount of time. They do. Uh, it's kind of confusingly told, though. Just how events happen uh, and get revealed at the end of the movie are just kind of... Um, uh, I, I guess you need all those bits in the story and everything. It's just... Uh, it's kind of clumsily told. And I know they didn't start it with a finished script and everything, but I'm sure that had something to do with it. But, you know, it's just not as tight as some of his other work. Do you think if it was developed more slowly, you know, it might have made more sense or it might have been a bit more palatable to a mass audience? I don't know if it'll ever be palatable for a mass audience. Um, I don't I don't think my mother would ever enjoy enjoyed this movie from any aspect. Um, actually, I didn't I didn't really <laughs> think I had trouble following the movie. There was just like, you know, batshit stuff happening. And you were just like, OK, uh, I mean, like that's that's kind of part of watching a movie like this is the suspension of disbelief like if you can get into the movie and just be like okay yeah this is what's happening this is the world we're in then you know yeah then then you're just trying to like figure out is this all in his head uh is everyone out to get him uh, is it like uh you know everyone he knows is is in on it you know just like his buddy at the end you, you kind of you know even his buddy's in on it but but did that happen you know, uh, is the whole thing, you know, I was reading that some people think that the whole thing was just in his head the whole time. Uh, you know, it Wait, never the, happened. The whole movie? Yeah. Nah, I don't like that. That's not fun. <laughs> yeah, here goes a movie. You watched it? Okay, yeah, none of that shit happened. It was all in his head. The end. That, that's the same thing yeah. as waking up and finding out it was a dream. Fuck you. That's not a story. Everything... I didn't think that the first time I saw it, but I did uh, think... That maybe you know when he when he shot those dudes at the end that maybe that could all just been in his fucking head like you know this is the first time I saw him on years ago like I thought because uh, the first time he kills those dudes in the TV face it's just regular bullets and then when he he kills the guy at the end with the uh, what he's called in the script the cancer gun you know the dude bursts you know and, and so I thought maybe all like he just shot the dude, the dude died in front of that, all those people but in James Wood's mind or whatever the guy like had that you know gory dramatic burst or whatever I just thought that was maybe because he was like one of the beings or whatever one of the you know, I don't. I have no fucking clue why that guy split open. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say that is. Yeah, I think. I think actually, what that is supposed to be, actually be having. I was just saying that years ago, I, when I first saw it, you know, I was thinking like twenty years ago. I was thinking, you know, maybe maybe a lot of the stuff. Yeah, you wonder could it all be attributed to his uh, hallucinations, or you know, is it because he's supposed to have this tumor in him or in his head? You know, is it whole? What do I want to say? The whole hallucinations or the whole events of the movie are they all just a? a uh, result of him having that tumor you know uh, you know there's different ways i suppose to look at it yeah i don't know if you, if you looked at it that way though you'd have to disre- disregard all the thematic messaging that mm-hmm. david cronenberg's really thrown in your face a little bit he, he does not know subtle he never has cronenberg but uh, yeah he's just throwing like some so many thematical messaging elements at you in this film I think that's where I get really confused. Not so much in terms of plot. Like, when it becomes a spy story, and I understand it's like, oh, this company is doing this because they want to get rid of all the perverts in the world. And then it's easier to understand. But I don't know, man. It's this this weird dream and bouncing. I don't know. You guys know what I'm saying or I'm crazy? No, no, you're not crazy. Yet. (laughs) You'll You'll be getting there soon. 
I think these, they, this shit is supposed to be happening where, like, I think Brian and you know, on the same page that, like, the, the guy, I guess, really does burst in front of those people. I don't know. that You know, I guess it's sort of, if, it, if that does happen, I guess it would be sort of like a they live moment where, the you know, the mask is pulled off, the wolves off of the people's eyes, and now they're seeing, you know, that they're really being manipulated by this shadowy organization or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that's, like, also, like, how the going back and forth in the dream uh, to reality, like, if it's all a dream, then that stuff doesn't really work. When they snap out of the dream, all those, or out of his hallucinations, all of that stuff works so well. Like, it's all cut well. Like, even when he's got his hand in his chest and he pulls it out and he's, like, kind of snaps in reality. And when he's, like, smacking his uh, his secretary in the face. Yeah. Those are so good. Those are such good moments. And he's just like, psh, psh, and then, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I didn't do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they seem so dreamlike. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, they also maintain the lighting. You know, they don't. It's not like they they wildly change it. You know, when it, it's supposed to be a dream, for the most part, they keep it, the look of both uh, aspects the same. Right. Right. So you couldn't really yeah. tell is he dreaming or not. You know, it's it's still the disorienting part of that. Um, I was just looking at the IMDb of this, and I actually worked with this director of photography. Oh, Mark Irwin. Yep. I I worked on the movie Sidney White with Amanda Bynes. And he was the DP of that. And I was also on set for the movie Ace Ventura Pet Detective Jr. And he was the DP of that as well. So uh, that's really weird. Small world shit. You know, can you imagine going from <laughs> DPing something like Scanners or Videodrome? And then, you know, I don't know, 25 years later, Ace Ventura Jr. Uh, bro, he also shot Scream, and he shot Scary Movie 3, and Old School, and Road Trip. Yeah. And 10 Things I Hate About You, and... He got stuck uh, into comedies King... right after Scream. Bro, he shot Kingpin, and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, this dude, this dude, Robocop 2. What a badass. He worked on softcore <laughs> porn in Canada, he says. Uh, oh, he shot the fly. <laughs> yeah, that's insane, man. He's done, he did night school. Uh, there's so many badass things. Yeah, what a badass. No, he is he's a really good cinematographer. And he shot scanners. I guess he does all of uh, his stuff. Well, what is it, Brian? Up till the fly, or you, we were talking about this in one of them before. You, you I think you said the fly was the last one. Uh, yeah, I think that's he also right. Shot the blob. He shot the blob, and yeah, that's why he didn't do Dead Ringers because he was shooting the blob. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. I was going to say, like nowadays, Cronenberg uh, uses Peter Shushitsky, that was the DP of The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, really? That's badass. Yeah, he uses him on everything in the past he's made, I'd say, past, you know, 15 or 20 years, please. Cronenberg needs to make another movie. Get off your ass. Make another movie. Not now. He's doing conventions before the uh, virus outbreak. He was supposed to be in Dallas next month. Really? That would have been badass. I'd like to meet him. I think it's Edgar Clemmy. was his first American uh, convention appearance ever. Yeah, I think I remember hearing about that. I, that would be cool to meet him. His last movie was a short film uh, called Consumed in 2014. I'd, I'd like to see that. Oh, no. it was a, It's just a little trailer promo for his book. Oh, he, he wrote a book. not a short. Yeah, I know. He wrote a book of the same name. If, I don't even think it's like two minutes long. It's like somebody reading an excerpt, uh, the book cover, and then coming soon. That sounds like the crew was wanting a Cronenberg uh, credit, so they were like, we got to put this on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, I'm still valuable. Yeah, I would like to read this novel that he wrote. <laughs> I'm sure it's it's fucking wacky. Yeah, so Shushitsky's done everything since Dead Ringers, it looks like. Uh, Dead Ringers, Naked Lunch, and Butterfly, Crash, Existence, 
country, violence, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that guy, he, he works with a good crew. And he keeps his budgets down. He, in some of those contracts, talks about how he's proud that, like, he doesn't go over budget. You know, he finds that you get more latitude, I guess, or they leave you alone more, I guess, if you don't uh, wildly spend, you know. I don't know, he's like, you know, he implies that he thinks that's kind of like a macho thing, these uh, sort of dudes that would brag about going way over budget and then think nothing of it. Right. Well, that's the whole, uh, even Kevin Smith, that's the whole, his, his thing is like, you know, keep the keep the budget low and, and, and be able to make at least their money back and you'll be able to make another one. So, you know, uh, if you can try to stay in the black, then, uh, you know, you can keep working. Okay, so this one was in the red because its budget was uh, 5.9. Oh, was major. Or yeah, 6 dude. million. Yeah, it was five five point nine million, and it only made like two million dollars in the box office. Yeesh. That's a bomb, gentlemen. That is a box that office is. bomb. <laughs> when your budget's that low and you can't even recoup half your cost, that's problematic as fuck. How did he get to do the Dead Zone after this fucking movie? I guess he was already, he was making that. I guess before this was released, that's why, right? I would assume so, yeah. But this thing was actually made in 81, and you know, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's like maybe Universal didn't know what the fuck to do with it, because uh, it doesn't come out. I don't know, they, they finally dumped it in, like, uh, what is the actual release date, February or March or something of 83? Yeah, February of 83, but they were doing, uh, they did reshoots in uh, March of 82. Yeah, I think they were just effects, or they were, it sounded like they had to reshoot that, uh, you know, uh, suicide scene on the tugboat. Uh, and then I think you know I think the thing bombing at at the box office kind of scared Universal. And yeah, we like, certainly yeah. wouldn't put Videodrome opposite ET. But go ahead. Well, well uh, Videodrome I think was wasn't it supposed to come out around Christmas of '82? I think that's was religion original release date. Yeah, I'm here. I um I know I, they they talk about this on something I was listening to like one of the commentaries or whatever, but I don't have the information. Chest vaginas, gentlemen. Chest vaginas. Hey man, it's more more in the stomach area, um, and uh, okay, stomach vaginas, stomach vaginas, stomach vaginas, a torso vagina. Uh, I like <laughs> the how at the end. I like how the, at the end when the dude like rams his hand into the dude's vagina, uh, he kind of like you know really thrusts it in there, you know, like, oh, take it, won't you take this in your just vagina? <laughs> yeah, man, uh, what a what a weird imagination this guy has i mean it's just like I, I i get really weird thoughts like that sometimes but like this dude <laughs> <awesome. Like, laughs> wait you think about somebody like sticking their hand in a, in a stomach vagina and then it, getting it like lopped off and then they explode that's what they, those, that's what you think about well no no I, I think he turns it into like in like the old like potato masher style uh, hand grenade isn't that what that is Oh, yeah, so it's uh, it's he like got it's his like hand a turned into a, a grenade, a German hand grenade, a German hand grenade. Yeah, they mentioned um, right. Oh, okay. Really? Did I, they mention I that never, in the movie. I never got that. Yeah, in the commentaries they do. Yeah, they call it potato. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I, I when it exploded, I was like, oh, that that was a potato masher German hand grenade. Uh, I was like, that was really weird because because they they showed the close up of it. And I was like, what the fuck is going on there? <laughs> Uh, he has a really uh, weird shaped interior of, of his vagina. Um. <laughs> that replaces a hand with a grenade. button. you know, I don't, can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie, but I no, I never, I never picked up on that. I was just like, oh, that guy just spontaneously can bust. That's totally normal in a David Cronenberg movie. No, like he, there, there's a long. It's it's probably about like a 
twenty second shot, like you know, of, like of him walking, uh, like close to the hand. He talks about that it's a grenade, and, and I think he uses it as a data measure. Nice man, I'm, I'm glad when I'm right. Um. <laughs> I, yeah, he does in the behind the scenes. But he, he didn't say that in the movie though. No, totally not. It just looks like uh, I don't know. I guess maybe Rick Baker didn't do the best job on that. I just look like rotten, crazy flesh to me with bone. It's like, oh, what happened to your hand there, buddy? It's weird. One thing is Rick Baker himself uh, didn't necessarily do a lot of the stuff. From what I've read, it says uh, that a lot of it was done by his assistants. He super like he he mostly he was like supervising. <laughs> oh, that happens a lot, man. Like I I know for a fact, like um, Tom Savini. Uh, we'll do, I mean, like, well, back when I was in film school, we met Tom Savini and he talked about that. He's like, he'll, he'll, he'll be, he'll basically supervise a gig and and send out his like minions out to do it, but they're all trained by him. So you, and, and, and no one ever does it by themselves anyways. They all have a crew. So it's pretty much him working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they wanted Dick Smith, but he was already attached to the hunger, you know, for Tony Scott. Well, that's awesome. The only thing he did contribute was that body cast for Deborah Harry. Oh, Okay. The body cat. Yeah, that's got to be for the cigarette burn on her boob. Yeah, I'm feeling I can think of. Which is weird. Anyway, uh, I don't know if we should return to this. Perhaps you can edit it in or whatever. But it was supposedly, apparently, originally supposed to be released in uh, December of 82. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Because I was like, man, can you imagine fucking Videodrome coming out around Christmas time? <laughs> it's the feel-good movie of the year. <laughs> Take the whole family. Remy, I got a TV-induced brain tumor signal. Man, how fucked up is that? It just that, that I mean, that, there's a lot of social shit in there, man. W- watching too much TV will rot your brains. Uh, you know, oh. he's he's, tr- he's trying to he's trying to throw some knowledge in there. Uh, yeah, he he kind of like uh, starts the the film off of that that TV interview where he just like kind of calls himself out for putting too many too much violence in his movies. And questioning, like, is this the call of, of violent behavior in the world? <laughs> is this my fault? The world is ending. I've always thought that was like, like, why? Why did? Why did? I wonder why he chose to put that in there. So why not, man? Yeah, it's just so weird, though. I guess maybe he had so many problems with the MPA, or well, it wasn't the MPA. It was the uh, Toronto uh, Rating Board, wasn't it? I was going to say here, you know, he was saying the MPA. You know, they will tell you to cut something, but back then you did have the option of releasing it as an X. In theaters, you know, it, like it was something they wouldn't even consider doing, is it would, you would be such a financial loss. But in Canada, he was saying they would actually like seize all the individual negatives and cut the pieces out. And he said, somehow, if you exhibited them anywhere, even in private screening, that you would get two years in jail. No way. You know, they don't fuck around up there, or didn't back then. That's some goddamn commie behavior right there. <laughs> goddamn fascist. Uh, how you doing? You feel like going to jail for showing your where that movie, Cronenberg? Man. You got vaginas growing out of chest. Leave that Sorry, out, that stonks. awful Canadian uh, imitation. No, no, everything stays. Everything stays. How about that? Well, uh, I uh, noticed there's a lot of um, just just subtle or maybe not so subtle stuff as far as imagery. You know, the first thing we see or the first shot is of a screen, and then you know he's sleeping. James Woods is sleeping on the couch, and he kind of like clicks into activity with the sound of the TV cutting on or off. And it, the shot is like it gives us a very little, a fairly long look at his watch and his hand, you know, while they're still normal. Yeah, I, and he's got to be like actually woken up. His secretary actually records those, uh, you know, his morning wake up 
instead of an, an actual alarm clock like a normal person has, it's, it's his secretary waking him up on TV. Which is just how the, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Brian Oblivion uh, <laughs> so ridiculous. Know, records. <laughs> records. And then they even talk about how in the future everyone will have a handle like that that they basically use, which is fucking true with the internet. It's about um, gamertag, bro. Yeah, man. So they, they predicted the internet. Yeah, they basically yeah. anticipated screen names. Yeah, which is which is pretty insane, uh, and you know, and, and so I, <laughs> I just knew that Brian was going to say that uh, from now on I shall be known as Brian Oblivion, uh, <laughs> Oblivion. It's, it's, it's kind of like it's an Irish name. Oh, Brian it, Oblivion. It's so ridiculous. Furniture, and I, I like how all the official people all call him by that name. You know, like if anybody ever gives themselves a nickname, I'm pretty much like fuck you, and I'm going to call you by your real name, Man. which is funny because they're. Everybody's like, hey, Potato, how you doing? And I'm like, what's up, James? <laughs> if you put Professor in front of your name, you sound like you're a Clue character anyway. Professor. Professor. What's his name, oh. Professor or Doctor? I, I thought it, no, it's, it's something cartoony like Professor Brian Oblivion. Yeah, but I love, I love that he has a normal middle, like a normal first name, you know? It's great. That's what you think. Yeah, the Cronenberg <laughs> always has uh, really weird names for characters. Uh, you know, Max Wren is apparently... Uh, like Ren Max is it was some kind of a race car company. Oh, really? Uh, well, that makes sense. He's all into fucking cars and everything. Mom, I'm going fast. All right, guys, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna watch a trailer for David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Ren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination. To the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome, starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. All right, we're back. That was the trailer for David Cronenberg's Videodrome. What did you guys think of that amazing trailer? What a great 80s trailer. I don't know how great it was, but it's uh, pretty uh, quintessentially 80s. You didn't think that was great? I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, like it, it had uh, like there were visuals that weren't in the movie. Like I, I kind of liked the '80s video gamey kind of look to it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you guys think that really accurately solved the thing, though? Or? Oh, no, man. The whole thing's a misdirect. Just like the movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know what that was, man. I, I would rather get something like that than these modern trailers that tell the entire film, you know, in the trailer. Would you? Would you really? <laughs> you didn't like this trailer, Brian? It's just, uh, I, yeah. You know, it's a it's a thing of its time. It's it's nice little yeah, yeah. time capsule, but uh, no, I didn't, yeah, it's not really my thing. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice little time capsule. Yeah, yeah. I think the teaser was better. I haven't seen the teaser. What happens in the teaser? It's just basically the bulging TV, you know, and James Woods making out with the TV, and then you know sticking his head in it, and then you see the. Uh, that rubber of, or effect of the gun coming out of the straight of the camera and it, you know shoots toward the camera and then it says video drone you know first it takes your mind then it takes your body okay yeah that that's man, i i love that scene with the tv it looks it looks so fucking cool man like uh the the, the combination of footage and the um i guess it's like a there's like close up shots it's like a like a putty or uh like a i don't know i can't explain it like like the, like a weird texture of, of 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 what it would look like when the when the phallic gun comes out of the TV. Yeah, I think they said they used some kind of dental dam uh, type of material for that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super cool, man. And I, and even before that, when her mouth is up there and it just kind of like, it kind of looks like it's like eating him a little bit, you know? It's super weird. Oh, I love it when he makes out with the television, dude. That is yeah, such dude, an amazing effect. Yeah, it looks so good, man. I, I was really blown away. Oh, he just sticks his whole fucking head in there, and then there's—I love that cut where you get like his hand, and he's like fondling the sides of it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Or, or even before that, earlier when he's like rubbing the top of it, and you can see the veins popping underneath it. Yeah, man, there's some really cool effect. And, and I mean, I, I like the way—I mean, a lot of this stuff looks really plastic, you know, like when they're holding the the cassette tape in their hand and uh, the beta tape, and it's like breathing and like melting in and out. You know, it looks—it looks rubbery. But it, I don't know, man. It, it just there's something cool that is a tangible thing, you know. Yeah, it it does have a the rubber look. They never kind of like yeah. lose the the vinyl of the set. Right. But that's okay. I mean, that's I'll go totally with it. fine. It's 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 a look, you know. It's an aesthetic, and it, it just it, and it, that also kind of sets it in its time. I don't know, man. It's it just feels cool. It's kind of like it's kind of like the uh, Freddy Krueger movies, you know. Uh, the 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 effects just look right for their time. Oh man, I definitely started uh, thinking about uh, Friday Thirteenth, the the Dream Child one, where the the guys getting like taken over by the motorcycle. Oh yeah, especially when the when the uh, when the gun like kind of affixes to his yes. hand, with the the hoses come out and they kind of like stick in. Yeah, that was pretty badass, and I I had the same thought. Yeah, that's a, that's like I was like, oh man, I fucking all right. Somebody that made Nightmare Five and that worked in the effects department was a fan of Videodrome. Oh, probably that is uh, very true. What did you guys think of the uh, Videodrome signal? What do you mean? Are, are we into bondage the, rape uh, porn? Yeah. <laughs> are you trying to ask me if I'm into snuff films and if 8mm is my favorite movie? <laughs> yeah, man. I like 8mm. It's a good movie. Uh, <laughs> I did, yeah, I, I didn't get the uh, the appeal why anybody would, would want to watch that. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah. There, there, there's an audience for everything, dude. Yeah, that's true. What's Rule 34 on the internet? If it exists, there's porn of it. 
I mean, personally, I would have bought the Siamese Dreams. That's what I would have. I would have purchased. I would have played that on the. Is that that really tame porn at the beginning that the lady's trying to sell the Asian porn, or you know that? that yeah. Watching. I guess. I guess they were yeah, supposed dude. to be geishas. That's kind of hot, dude. I'm down. And, and what what makes it kind of hot is that it's got that like crazy VHS beta tape look. That makes it kind of <laughs> hot. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like yeah, that gets that gets me there. It's like this is vintage. <laughs> This this chick knew what was up, you know. Uh, she got to hide her dildo as a little doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that man. That, that 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 means it's like it's like it's dirty, you know. It's it's yeah, that's good, man. That back back in the day, that that was more, uh, you know, you, you had to work with your brain more. You had, you had to like work in your mind a little more to get there than uh, <laughs> than, than the way we got today. Today they just throw it all out there. You don't really have to think much. They think for you. Yeah, like what was it? The other uh, president or the partner at the channel? He's like, "Oh, this is too classy to get me hard." Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, "I need something. I need something a little, a little stronger. <laughs> I need, I need to be like stabbing a girl with a needle and like licking the blood off and like, you know, that's what really gets me there." Oh my gosh, I, I forget what the uh, the agent lady that that brought him. Um, she brings in some tape and it's like some topless people. Dude ass, topless chicks, and some orgy, like in Roman times. We didn't get a title for that one, did we? It looked like it could go the way of Caligula, but it's totally like, it's like Caligula light, you know? They're, like they're pouring wine and, and spilling wine on their tits. Like, oops, you know? It's like that. It's like that <laughs> shit that used to be scrambled when we were kids. You remember that channel that you would go to and they would have the wavy? Do you remember that, Chris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, I, I, have to, I, just, I just had this. I, uh, don't don't be ashamed. Welcome to the Movie Crew Podcast. Uh, never be ashamed. But uh, I, I have this really weird memory of. And if you were lucky, uh, somewhere you might get the Spice Channel way back in the day. Oh yeah, dude, no doubt. Um, but like that channel <laughs> oh would have gosh. like music playing underneath it, and then it would have it would have these wavy lines, and every now and then it would, like, click in clear and you'd see a tit or something. But uh, I remember I remember one time uh, I was in there watching it, and I had the door closed, obviously, and my mom yelled down the hall, I know what you're watching in there! Because she could hear the fucking music. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but that was cool, man. It was always in the higher end of the numbers. Like, you'll go all the way to... <laughs> that don't exist no more. Today you can just get... No, tits by typing in tits in Google. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess when Cronenberg was a kid, he talked, like, in the 50s, you know, black and white TV talked about, you know, he was up in Canada, and, you know, with an antenna or whatever, sometimes he would get these real fuzzy, wavy channels that were coming from, like, Buffalo, New York, or whatever. Oh, wow. See, that's cool. He barely make out these ghostly signals, and he always thought, like, what if, what if I saw something really disturbing or something? Yeah, man, see? That was all yeah. the of this idea. That's great, man. So so we were having the same experience, except he, he took it, like, dark. <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to to see some tits and he's like what if I saw somebody get killed on here <laughs> how hard would I be <laughs> <laughs> man Chris I hope you didn't want your uh, family to listen to this podcast <laughs> but I'd read uh, one quote where they were saying like they, this is the quote the idea of making a movie about a snuff TV station would be enough for most movie makers and they'd stop there yeah, you're right. You're right. But adding that whole uh, layer of what, I mean, what's what's the what is the purpose of the video drum signal? 
It's to kill out, kill off all the pervs, man, in the world. Yeah, it's gonna give them all cancer, so that, dude. So it spreads, it spreads like a virus. Yeah, well, I, you know, I guess it's sort of like the end of Halloween Three, where once everyone watches this signal, they're all gonna uh, get this tumor, and then they're all gonna turn into snakes and fucking booze. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the people are also have mutations and hallucinations and stuff. They, you know, they don't go into it that much. Apparently, what it is is they've hijacked, you know, Professor Oblivion's tech. You know, like Brian was saying, in an effort to weed out the the, the weak or the morally degenerate. You know, well, insanity. I, I, you know, it and that plot. Uh, the whole like uh, espionage, I guess, plot. It's very similar to Scanners. Sort of. Well, it's from the creator of Scanners. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's reusing this where you know he's taking the the two. You're having the two factions, and you're putting the the person in between, right? And they have to kind of they have to choose what to do. Yeah, but like you said, uh, that's the aspect you know you remember the least. You know, even when we were talking about Scanners, we were saying you know. The, Nobody really remembers that espionage plot. You more remember the exploding heads and the doctor and the twin sons or brothers or other. Uh, uh, you remember the spectacle, not the story. Yeah, yeah. I think the same could probably be said here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I have trouble remembering what the fuck was happening, but I, I have vivid uh, memories of specific things happening, and most of that is all the crazy shit. And also, uh, I also remember the very beginning of the movie, uh, just how committed he was to those scenes just of the really simple stuff him him just going throughout his his, his day you know what i mean at the very beginning of the movie when he casually gets tomato sauce on that still he's examining yeah oh yeah exactly all that stuff but it, it just felt like you know yeah i, I love that you know he he, he, get, he gets he, he he grabs yesterday's pizza or shit it could have been two days old pizza you know, and he's eating it's crunch the crunchy, dried out fucking crust. You know, and he's wiping the sauce on his shirt from the photo and all that. You know, dude, it's not that dry, it's man. All, it's he's all. He's gonna dip it in his latte it, later. It's okay. <laughs> I know. I love that. I love. I, I I thought about that when when he. Yeah, I, I, because it's a more it's a thing you have for breakfast or whatever. I thought about that. I wanted to know if that was in the script or not. That was all wood. Oh, that was okay. Cool. I, I was I was wondering if that was an improv. Yeah, I, I, I just get you. I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no idea when he grabs off of that maid's cart. I even rewound it a couple of times, you know, he, he, before he knocks on the door to meet those Japanese guys, like he's in his hallway at this hotel, and he reaches and grabs something off of the maid's. Oh, it's like a, uh, it's like a mint. It's the mint off that they put on the pillows. My guess would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He stole, he stole a mint. It would have been funny if it was a condom. <laughs> that would have been more in line with his character if it had been yeah. a condom. <laughs> right. Because this guy, yeah, he's, he's kind of a... Yeah, it starts the movie off kind of a sleazebag. He's a sleazebag the entire time. At what point the movie's not? It's like when he does that TV show, and, and he's like, you know, uh, the woman goes on her thing about, you know, people living, trying to live in excess and all that, and, and he calls her out on her dress and then instantly, like, asks, asks her out on a date, you know, on TV, while, while being a total obnoxious asshole smoking, blowing smoke into the frame, you know. What a dick. Yeah, what an asshole. That's why everybody hates, and that's why it didn't work in Twitter. Uh, I mean, on, in Hollywood anymore. Blowing smoke <laughs> in the frame. <laughs> why do you guys think of Every Harry in this? Well, see, I think she's the one that's a little bit crazier, man. Because, like, even on their first date, she's like, yeah, wait, we're going to watch murder porn? Let's totally fucking watch murder porn. She's, and, she's and got we watch dead it, eyes. Can you, can you cut my fucking ne- shoulder or neck or whatever? The fuck is, that's and weird. It's already happened, like, five other times. She's a very kinky girl, the kind you don't bring home the mother. She's supposed to have been some sort of radio sex therapist. She's Dr. Ruth. 
Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how <laughs> exactly. it seems. They have that, yeah, that one scene. A young Dr. Ruth. Well, well but it, what, in that scene where she's talking on the radio, is it she's talking to, like, someone who's, it's some woman who, like, hates her sister <laughs> and th- think it's, thinks about murdering her or something? Yeah, I don't know. It's, so, it's such a quick scene. He just basically shows up and whisks her away from there. She's like, I hate my sister. I hate her. Honey, what I need you to do is I need you to call the, this hotline number and, bitch, you need help. I wanted to talk about uh, at the end of the movie when um, they say, I am the video word made fresh. What the fuck does that mean? And they're not saying world. I was thinking that it was like, I am the video world made fresh. But they're saying, I am the video word. It's like a reference to the Gospel of John. You know, Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. Oh, okay. He's the Word of God in human form, you know. Okay, I'm, I'm just—I just wasn't up on my up on my Bible. It's always painful to remove the cassette, change the program. But now that we have, you'll see that you've become something quite different from what you were. You've become the video word made flesh. I am the video word made flesh. Now that you are the video word made flesh, you know what you have to do. You turn against Videodrome. You use the weapons they've given you to destroy them. Death to Videodrome. Long live the new flesh. Death to Videodrome. That's some uh, puree, Cronenberg, you know, batshit crazy dialogue. That whole yeah, but it's it's good though. It's not. It's good. Wait, what scene are you talking about? Right after you know he 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 pulls that uh, partition away, like he thinks Nikki's on a TV being killed or whatever, and then he he gets shot by Videodrome or by uh, Bianca Oblivion, and it kind of uh, cures him or whatever. Oh, okay, not right. cures him, but turns 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 her into into you know her. Uh, uh, instrument or whatever. Her assassin. Now, a lot of people have compared that uh, online, I see, to the Manchurian candidate. I don't, you know, 100% agree with that. Oh, well, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're, it's just a new form of brainwashing, you know? But now there's a video where they, they try to show that there's all these parallels between the two movies, and you know, I didn't really buy it. It's, pre- it's basically what the Riddler wanted to do uh, in that Jim Carrey Batman movie. You know, he wanted to put the box on everyone's TV. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> just sucked all the cool out of the room. Hey, man, you can just see where they got their ideas from. We were doing just fine with the Manchurian Candidate, Jared. <laughs> um, also, also, I re- I really love the uh, the cathode ray mission, which is basically a place for uh, why why were they bringing homeless people in there to watch TV? Watch point is it was it to, that that's that's their pool of, of like testing to see if it works. No, that's that's the new mind's eye, bro. You know that he, I get when I was in the comedy with Cronenberg, he was acting like you know the point we're at the point where we're so comfortable or uh, dependent on technology that you know even homeless people need like X amount of TV watching a day in order to you know stay sane. Or, right, just 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 to just to keep their balance or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What, what did wow. they call it? The cathode cat- ray mission. There it's you the go. the cathode ray mission. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Everybody's got their own little living room with a with their own TV. 
You know, I, apparently they had this mini crane, like as you know, James Woods first walks in, there's like that little crane shot of him going, weaving his way through all those booths. Oh, yeah. Right. The high angle shot. Yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, no, they use it again, you know, I guess when he's coming in and out of that place uh, in different parts. Yeah, this, some of the cinematography, um, some of the shot selection, I mean, just like that, that first one, that opening one, that's a nice long dolly shot. Yeah. Nicely remind me of the shot. What happens? It just pulls back from the TV, goes back to James Wood's watch. Uh, he moves his hand, and then oh, it yeah, 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 yeah. dollies yeah. around to his face. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They seem to be wanting to emphasize like his. This is like the last time we're going to see this guy's arm and hand. You know, normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even getting back to that part that Jared was talking about. You know, when he when he tracks her down at the very end, you, her eyes are glowing too. Like you, you know, you wonder uh, when you. I mean, it's really just the reflection. You know. It's some DP work, I guess, but uh, you wonder if that's supposed to emphasize that she's also sort of a video creature as well. Bianca, the daughter of Brian Oblivion. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, dude. I mean, somebody's got to be there to reprogram him, to send him back to. Yeah, kill but I mean, the- originally there was supposed to be this really wacky ending where after he shoots himself, he's in some sort of afterlife, like having a three-way with her and Deborah Harry. I'm not kidding. Yeah, but wasn't that cut because like Cronenberg was like, "Oh wait, it, it can't be the afterlife." Like, I, I I don't want the audience to interpret it that way, and that's why he cut it, right? Yeah, but also, um, from what I uh, heard, because I brought it up uh, in the Rabbit episode, was whatever uh, appliances they produced, that would have been these weird ass uh, video video from sex organs that they just didn't look convincing. You know, you know they just didn't, even though. Dude, did you see the still? You've seen the Criterion, like the the makeup special feature. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go through all those stills on that feature, though. Uh, uh, they, uh, oh, dude, no, it's just in the main dock. It, there's a, a a still of like Rick Baker, and it swear to God, dude, it looks like he's holding a dildo glove. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably for this uh, this sequence. And then he's got that's some stuff. like Johnny fingers over here that are just like slits of fingers with like j- that are just giant fingers. It's like what the hell is the the gun looks the gun looks very phallic, especially like I said when it's pushing through the TV, it, it looks like a dick and balls, and then it like shoots him, it like it like it like you know shoots a load into him and kills him, you know. I never understood those were supposed to be cancer bullets until the the Criterion release of this movie came out, and I saw the yeah I don't see I don't see how you would get that. I never in thought the, that. in the script though it, it does say like the cancer gun and. Uh... It's apparently when he does shoot that very convex at the end, I guess he gets like a microwave popcorn version of cancer that you know, basically <laughs> turns all your organs into birds. <laughs> you know, although we, we don't get that. You know, we're not told that. I got to sit you down. Uh, I got bad news. You got the you got the popcorn cancer. Yeah, sorry. You may burst any minute. Among us, I want to mow down their enemies with a cancer gun at one time or another. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous, it's like, man. It's like... It's like the new Star Wars movies, man. You got to read all the shit about it to understand it. <laughs> That's canon. You better put that on the screen, Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But if you listen to Rick Baker, you know he, he some of those effects guys refer to it as the cancer gun. So like that must have been what they were thinking of it as, you know, when they were making it. Oh yeah, I mean, there's and of course a... it does kind of flop around when he when he has his mic drop moment. You know, he, it, it looks like a rubbery thing on his head, you know, it's not the greatest effect. Uh, you guys got anything else here? <laughs> uh, we never talked about Howard Shore. Uh, what a badass. Uh, and then doing uh, this. 
I mean, what do you think about this, uh, Brian, being the score expert of the podcast. Uh, I don't like this score, dude. You're not a fan of this score. <sighs> I mean, I you didn't it, think that you didn't think this was like set in its time and just had this like you know it just totally it just felt like it was you know 80s. You know, I guess it it works fine in terms of like uh, setting the mood. So it's just man, it's That's what the score is supposed to do. It's a terrible listen, man. Ooh. Oh, you're talking about just on its own? Yeah, actually listening to it's rough. Yeah, I, I agree, but I mean the the music that's overlaid again in that same part uh, we're talking about where she programs him or whatever, and then the, at the very end, seeing where he's on that tugboat, that music is cool. That rising, rising, rising uh, score. I don't I'm, I have a better word. Rising, rising, rising. I needed a need a, a noun there, and I can't come up with a good one. <laughs> but you know that um, if you watch this that sequence alone, the long live the new Flash. I mean that that part is cool. I think that music is great. Like I said, it reminds me of a lot of uh, you know Mordor, the Minds of Moria. You know you can see what. Oh yeah, I can see that. You don't like that part, even Nukins or what? Yeah, it's it's okay. It's just not. Uh... It's not the fly, dude. Okay, that's the problem, right? It's not the fly. The fl- you know? <laughs> Scanners had a pretty good score, too, and then, you know, it seemed to incorporate itself a little better, I would say. Yeah, sc- uh, well, you know, Scanners really fit that movie really well. Um, a different composer, though. No, same composer. Really? Because I don't see that on his list here. Oh, let's see. Howard Shore did uh, The Brood and Scanners. Wow, why am I not seeing that? That's weird. Yeah. Uh, and let me see. Oh, I was looking. I was looking under conductor, and then there, then there's a composer one as well. Oh, yeah, right. all right. Look at that. He, see, he you, didn't you, conduct you get, it. Yeah, you get you get two. You get two credits, bro, on some of this stuff. He was lazy that time. He, yeah, he even did after hours. Oh, see, I like that score a lot better. This is just. I, it, it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm not shitting on it. I'm not hating on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Howard Shore is so mad right now. He's like, "Fuck you, Brian." Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. <laughs> having listened to the score or the, the soundtrack album, let's call it in its entirety, I would agree. It, it, it's as a whole, it's, it's not the greatest. But uh, like I said, some of that electronic-y type stuff, I don't even think is in the movie, is it, Brian? Oh wait, you're talking about the actual video drum soundtrack? Yeah, aren't? Are you talking about the whole the soundtrack as a whole? Or are you talking about yeah. just what score? I was actually is? talking about this stuff. I was like, like actually listening to the stuff in the movie. Uh, the soundtrack is that's not actually Howard Shore's score. It's I mean, I, okay, it is, but it's been like uh, reworked, and they added like this extra electronical stuff, and it's got it actually has like weird dialogue thrown in it, but not all of it's like dialogue from the movie. It's just I don't know what it's random characters saying like "Long live the new flesh." Welcome to yeah, yeah I've heard all that, but I'm saying, the, you know, yeah. the, what, what is the track called? What's the track called at the very end, then, the, the very last scene? What, what, what type of Oh, that, that the one uh, the one we're going to play at the end of the show is Long Live the New Flesh. Uh, that's uh, yeah. mostly Howard. But I, they've added instruments to that, too. That's not just entirely his, his score from the movie, which I don't know why they did that. And as far, far as I know, they've never released the, uh, the actual soundtrack unaltered. Well, which of the, which are you, the two are you hating on right as we speak here? I'm confused. Oh, um, I'm not hating on anything. No, it's it's just it's it's fine. <laughs> you aren't. No, it's fine. It's all fine. I don't know. It sounds like you're hating on shit to me, Brian. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. Uh, yeah. I know it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I do like that tra- that that final track as you hear it in the film. You know, if it's been altered on the uh, you know soundtrack release, like you said, with with added effects and voices and stuff, then you know that's no good. I'll agree. 
Yeah, it, it would be nice if we actually got the uh, the original score. Um, but I mean, if you li- you listen to it, I mean, there's not a lot of talking at the end of Videodrome. You can hear it pretty good. Man, the only thing I got guys left in my notes is uh, guts exploding from the TV. Um, is one yeah, of the most amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's it's probably my favorite image from the movie. It just looks like giant bloody sausages <laughs> blown everywhere. I like it though. It's such a badass image with the smoke. I, it's cool. Yeah, it was great. Actually, no, I think I like him making out with the TV. That's my favorite image. Man, that one does hold up. Man, holy shit, that looks so good. Uh, you know, Deborah Harry is first shown on the screen. You know, kind of like I was saying, the first shot you see in the movie is of a screen. Um, what you were saying before, Jared, about her. You know, we were talking about which is she even like alive when he meets her, or is she already sort of like a VR? Right. Yeah. Construct. I found the line. Uh, you were talking about where they do address that in the movie. You know, they killed her, Max. They killed Nikki Brand. She died on Videodrome. They used her image right. to seduce you, but she was already dead. For some reason, they don't have really great uh, video equipment at the time, but they can, like, jack into your brain and give you crazy fucking hallucinations. Maybe it's, like, some kind of weird drug or something. I don't know. Scramble, scrambles your, like, brain waves, and they put whatever batshit imagery they want in there look uh, spectacular optical needs to stop everything they're doing and they need to start marketing that technology that records your fucking dreams oh shit no doubt man they just threw that on the scene and it was like like a little teeny plot device and it's like that thing would be worth a fortune it would be well that um recording the dreams and then having that that headset doohickey kind of reminded me of uh brainstorm the douglas trumbull movie released around that same time I haven't seen it. They wear giant headsets, <laughs> just like that. Yeah, but wasn't that wasn't that Only you know that, that trip or whatever that Walken goes on? Christopher Walken goes on at the end, isn't it? Like, or no, no, what it is is the kid uh, tries it on, and then he has some kind of psychotic episode because it was like a, a footage, if you will, of somebody dying. Man, I can't remember, dude. I've seen oh, okay. it's been so long. I do remember those gigantic silver helmets. I was just saying, I remember whatever vaguely whatever was supposed to have been on that reel or, ca- or cassette or whatever that this kid viewed you know it was so traumatic as if like with somebody dying and crossing into the afterlife or whatever kids are really weak back then man <laughs> i mean like pe- kids today man you can just you know you you can see all those like isis videos and shit without even like really trying it's it's, it's easier to find that than porn sometimes kids are weak back then <laughs> what <laughs> just making a stance here brian <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Oh, I am so confused now. Oh, I'm sorry. We will, I, don't know. I don't even you know how we got over problem. here. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, this movie, I mean, I'm surprised even Cronenberg brings it up in the commentary. It anticipates Ring You or The Ring, you know, with the concept of videotape that brings harm to the viewers. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, I, I don't think Cronenberg uh, can... Uh, you know, say the ring ripped off Videodrome. I mean, because if he does he that... That's not how he phrases it. You know, he was just saying that the movies had an influence on various things of the years. He's like, okay. including, you know, the ring movie. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't like, they fucking stole this from me. He doesn't, you know, like... Okay, yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah, don't want yeah. to tirade about it. Or that, 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 would, that, that, that would make me think less of him, so... Oh. Yeah, no. Image intact. Damn it, I invented haunted videotapes. <laughs> And they kind of foreshadow the the chest wound or slit, you know. He's, uh, I wondered if maybe the the um, beginning of it or whatever is, is that supposed to be where he burned himself, you know? Because they don't show on camera, you know. But Cronenberg kind of cuts away, but he's kind of talking like, if, you know, 
uh, it's not shown, but it's implied that maybe James Winslow like burns himself, you know, with the cigarette just to kind of prove himself there. Right. Yeah. Oh, was I think he? That's what happens. Was he going to burn himself, or was he going to burn her again? I thought he was going to burn her other Actually, titty. No, Bob, yeah, they don't show. The Cronenberg kind of, kind of like I think he even mentioned he kind of left it, uh, you know, ambiguous. I, I think I think it feels pretty much that she was opening it up to why don't you know you do it, and then even even he kind of like has a little like there's a hand twitch or there's there's like a like you know he he kind of tenses up a little bit like he's like he's going to do it. I don't know. Yeah, but if he was to burn himself, you know, I was going to say, is that the origination point for the wound, you know, for, for the thing you see later? Uh, maybe. I mean, there's nothing to lead you to, to think that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, other than he's like itching, he's itching his uh, chest. I, I, when somebody shows up at the apartment, I forget. Uh, it might be the, uh, the Harlan, the video geek buddy, or else it's the secretary. I, I forget, but, you know, when he's agitated, he's like, it's. He, James Woods points out in the commentary, you know, he's itching his thumb before, you know, he starts itching it with the gun, you know, when he's sitting on the couch later. He's got a rash, dude. Yeah, well, I think it's not the excuse he gives I think I've got a yes. rash or something. Why does he jam his gun into his vagina? Wait. Is that like, you know, is that is that like a metaphor of a gun being a dick? Yeah, I thought it was like a magnetic pool, and then he put it in there, and he was like, oh, crap, I lost it oh, inside so the, of me. So chest vaginas have a magnetic field? I mean, either that or he's mm. he's playing with himself. Or he's like, maybe I, I, I'm going to need this later, so there's no better way to smuggle a gun instead of putting it inside your body pocket. I mean... <laughs> so if you ate, like, a really know. explosive Taco Bell meal or something, like, you'd have to worry about the gun going off? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. All that I gas. I don't know what I meant by this. If I meant at the very end of that scene or the next one, maybe it's the next scene is when he goes to that eyeglass place or what, but... Which is pretty nonchalant for a guy who just had a gun disappear into a cavity in his chest. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going to put on these crazy-looking uh, glasses. Everything happens all the time. Well, he, yeah. he knows he's hallucinating, like a, though, at that point, right? Is he, is he hallucinating the uh, spectacular op- optical glasses, or whatever it's called, that, that, that place? Is he hallucinating that? I don't know. I mean, I, I could definitely see where you could uh, you could argue that, but... Because of the Jamaican sales guy? <laughs> I mean, yeah. You, if you argue in that, then you're just, like, losing all plot structure. And, like, I mean, like, what do you want this film to be about then at that point? Well, remind <laughs> me again. What is the transition again? Because it has sort of a dreamlike aspect to it. You know, he, it does. In the back of that place, you know, and then they open up for me. And that's, what, you know, that's when they reveal what this, kind of more what the purpose of that slit is, you know, when they stick that tape in there. But... Doesn't it kind of hard cut from that that he wakes up in bed uh, with that woman's body beside him? Yeah, the agent. Yeah, the the old lady. The yeah, the lady that he turned down before. So that's like you know, it does lead you in the audience to like think, was well, that previous sequence just a dream, or what the hell's going on? Oh yeah, I mean, once he sees, uh, once he goes to the homeless shelter, it's kind of I don't know, man. I I think all of that at that point, you could definitely easily argue that. I mean, I could you you could argue this whole movie's a dream, but. I think you're missing the point of nor- a narrative uh, storytelling if you argue that, but, you know, hey, well, I'm not going to argue with stupid people. Yeah, I, you know, I always think that that Barry Convex, you know, the dude he shoots uh, at, at the end and who explodes, uh, he looks like a televangelist, and Cronenberg does say that he was like... <laughs> he does. Influenced by Jim Baker, I guess, and I was like that Cronenberg calls him a scumbag. 
Um, but I was, but my note is Professor Oblivion is a real televangelist or is a televangelist for real, and that he's like publicizing his new philosophy about TV through TV, strictly right. via television. And he, you know, he only appears on television while on television. Um, <laughs> and of course, to put it in context, this is the time in America you started to see like the increasing involvement of evangelicals and Christian fundamentalists in conservative politics. And then, then that whole sequence is open up for me, and you know, when, when he that there's the whole betrayal, like he realizes that his, his buddy's really been working for uh, Videodrome the whole time. Yeah, you know, the Harlan has never watched this signal, and then when you think back, it's like, oh, that's right, he never did. Like he wouldn't look at it because apparently it's supposed to be like if you look at that Videodrome signal, once it instantly starts forming that tumor, it causes that. Uh, right, it, it puts that beam into you. It like it activates the the shit in your brain, kind of scrambles your brain up. Yeah, see it so much as once. So that's kind of you know. Guys, that's just the new flesh, right? right? Yeah, the, the new flesh is the is the shit growing in your brain. It's not a tumor. It's new flesh. <laughs> the whole scene with the tape insertion, it does remind me of a dream. You know, I was dreaming to start out normal, and all of a sudden it gets real weird, and you can't trust the people where you're with. Yeah, and it, they but, can't trust you either, because you might go in there and shoot everybody with your weird handgun. You well, know, they they seem really like taken aback by that, or they never like they really like really caught them unaware, like they never expected that to be possible. Oh yeah, totally. They're like, oh fuck, what the fuck? You know, yeah. Well, yeah, I can see that. Where like, why would they think that she could reprogram? Yeah, but I mean, they seem like caught totally with their pants down when he does, you know, show up with, with the potato masher grenade and then with the cancer gun. <laughs> well, I don't think they realize yeah. how much the daughter knows because they keep they keep saying like. Um, like when they're in that VO instruction that James Woods gets, it's like a um, killer because she knows uh, too much, not because she opposes a threat or anything. She says, I am my father's screen. So it's like you assume that she knows everything virtually that the Professor Oblivion knew. Well, I know, but the the guys that sent him on that uh, James Woods, the mission, the uh, the spectacular optic guys, the video drum dudes, they don't know that, though, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm so saying that's, that's, why why they so, be... that's why they're so unprepared or, or it's. Uh, so thrown that that uh, yeah that he is able to you know to do that they never expected that to be possible is what it seems like. Light scanners, I would say it has an ambiguous but not unsatisfying ending. I mean, do you, do you guys feel like this is a real downer ending, or how do you feel about it? I don't know. It, it was. Um, I think it was in a, in a lot of movies. If if they set up like you know how she like shows him his death basically, and then I was I wasn't expecting him to go through with it. You know what I mean? I was expecting there there to be a turn, and it just kind of ended. So it kind of like I kind of there was this like <laughs> feeling of hopelessness, like 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 oh my god, they I guess they won, you know, or maybe he wanted to do it. I don't know. Or is he really gonna you know re- reunited with Nikki in in some sort of next level of you know of existence? Right. D- does he you know become the new flesh? Yeah. The next level man of Videodrome. Next level. Gotta level up, baby. <laughs> uh, it's a little ridiculous. I still like it, though. It really is. No, man, I've, I've only seen it once, so I, I need to watch it again. I, I think by watching it again, I might, I might get more out of it. But, uh, wow. It was, it was a hell of a ride. I wonder, too, uh, does, does Bianca condition him to commit suicide or, you know, to eliminate any traces of Videodrome or sort of close, close the loop? Yeah, that, that's what it felt like. It, it felt like it, it could be they're they're just basically taking him out to to wrap that up, you know, 
because he, he he's been he's been he's been he's been, he's been pretty wily out there. And yeah, this loose cannon running around with his cancer gun. Like. <laughs> yeah, just taking motherfuckers out. But I was thinking too, like the kind of the theme is like it isn't real unless it happens on TV. You know, so the fact that he saw himself die on the TV set first means he has to go through with it. No, that's true. Because, like, unrelated to this, I remember reading this study that was done, like, back in the 70s where, like, they would wheel, uh, you know, either they would, you know, like, when we were kids, they'd wheel that uh, audiovisual card in, you know, with the TV on it when you're in elementary or middle school or whatever. Or, excuse me, classrooms that had that TV up in the corner, you know, of the ceiling or whatever. They were saying that, you know, you could bring in, like, a lecture or something and have, like, but be film you know, filming on a video camera or something. And the kids would watch the TV rather than, like, the live speaker in front of them, you know. Because it's more interesting than what, <laughs> what what's being said. They're just so conditioned to you know to uh, have their eyes on a screen. You know, even back then before we had phones and stuff. Like supposedly this was some kind of study that was done, and uh, you know it's again proving the 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 mindset or whatever. It's only it's but it's only real if it's on TV. It's that video drone signal, bro. Yeah, I mean we didn't really talk about this. Marshall McLuhan was this uh, uh, media theorist guy, uh, and you know like they pointed the there's a scene in uh, Annie Hall where somebody's pontificating about his theories or whatever, and uh, Woody Allen's character is like, well, obviously you don't know Marshall McLuhan. And, and, um, <laughs> come on, help me out here, Brian. You know the scene. Annie Hall, Oscar-winning movie, 1970. Uh, but, dude, it's been so long since <laughs> I've seen Annie Hall, dude. I, I forget okay. what that is. Well, anyway, yeah. he was this wackadoo media theorist. Uh, you know, he had uh, the message is the medium, or the medium is the message was his slogan, and uh, he's the basis for uh, Oblivion. And, uh, you know, he had all these wacky ideas like the fact that our voices right now are, are you know, in the ether, that we exist, uh, all, you know, outside of our bodies or whatever. You know, once this podcast is recorded, uploaded, like that's a separate existence of us as human beings. I can agree with that because that creates a perception that, that you know, people who people who listen to this podcast could get a perception of who we are as people and then their perception could move on and create something else so there is this version of you that lives beyond what you think you know your existence is and by us putting this out there there could be millions of uh of different perceptions and versions of ourselves out there whoa oh man guys minds are all blown are are we at the ratings (laughs) <laughs> Why are you trying to close this down, bro? This is our new existence. We're in quarantine. We have nothing else left to do. <sighs> no, I, I, I really just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have. I, I, I've, I've, I've exhausted my notes. So, but if anybody, if anybody else has anything, I would, I would gladly talk about it. <laughs> you guys, you, you guys, like Brian. I'm surprised you didn't bring too much notes to this. Yeah, normally Brian's got pages. Uh, yeah, do I just I, we've I've already gone through my two two and a half pages. Oh, okay. Wow, that's. I well, mean, I only like, had a, oh, only, ha- only had a page, so. Like okay, there, like there's some things. Uh, like uh, I mean, I wrote down, but like, who gives a fuck? Like the the place is Civic TV. I love the fucking logo slogan, the one you take to bed with you. Oh, I love that. And I think that was great. I liked all the posters he had on the wall in the TV studio. Some of those are real uh, old exploitation movies. Oh, yeah, some you're right. Real? There are. That was really cool. Yeah, there was some really neat posters. I figured you would have seen that, Brian, being being a poster freak like you are. There, there's some really badass posters in the background of these shots. Dude, I just um, automatically assume none of them are real. No, I, rec- I recognize two of them. I remember seeing that The Evil, I almost rented it uh, as a kid when I was places where you get the five movies, five days, five dollars. Like, oh, I'm sorry, The Evil, I'd like to throw you in there, but I got these other five. But I think I'm going to take these home. Speaking of renting stuff, I did like seeing all of the beta tapes in the film. 
Yeah, man. What a what a blast from the past. It's kind of weird how uh, that became very um, obsolete pretty quickly. What did you think of that scene, Jared? You know, where he's like, take me to your father, or I want to see your father, and then she just takes me to that tape library. What a cool turn, man. Like, I, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I, I was actually half expecting him to be, like, dead and a corpse in there, you know, just kind of grotesque. But I, I would have never... But it, it just makes sense, you know, the motif of, of video throughout. I mean, like, duh. If you, I guess if you thought about it enough, you would have seen that coming. You know, I guess the one thing he explored earlier, you know, in The Brood is this kind of loosely ties in, I guess, with scanners and all is the idea that certain thoughts can be willed into reality. How does that apply to this movie? The signals or, you know, the, the, the violent uh, imagery and stuff in the in the signals is manifesting as that cancer gun and, and these growths and these tumors and all that. Wait, wait, hold up. Are we saying cancer a gun exists and was manifested in reality? Because I didn't think that was. Because there's like yeah, times where you see... Yeah, I'm the beginning of this. I mean, do you think those people witnessed that guy explode on stage or not? No, he just got yeah, shot. He, he just he, died. He, That's what James Wood saw because he was hallucinating. Just like there's a moment where you see cancer gun in his hand and it's like cancer gun, but then he you, you see him in the street and his hand's fine. When he's like trying to figure That's out true. like which, uh, which, uh, hand, uh, which fucking uh, pocket to put the gun in, he still keeps it in the same hand, yeah. but he says he's like fucking with his pockets. And, no, his hand's fine. He didn't have like... That weird black He mask. hides it in his jacket. Jacket, whatever, yeah. Not pants pocket, right. Yeah. But, yeah, I think all that stuff is, like, uh, hallucinations. And I don't think yeah. any of that was, like... I I think it's even debatable whether, like, the Videodrome s- signal actually causes a, a tumor or does it just cause hallucinations or does it just make you, like, a Manchurian candidate where you're just a complete brainwashed slave? Like, what does it do? I mean, really, we don't know. We're just we just know what we're like, told in the movie. It causes it causes a tumor, which as the tumor grows, it causes hallucinations because it's you know push, pushing on. I mean, pushing on that part of your your brain. Yeah, you can say that, but I mean, like how 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 does the how do these people control James Woods at different points in the movie? Like the one guy even puts that the other tape in to try to reprogram him, and he blows up. So I don't know. Brainwashing. It's crazy stuff, dude. I yeah, I, I, don't, I really, I don't really have a lot of answers for this movie because you know I don't, I don't know if there are any. It's just you know you have to kind of I don't know you just kind of have to take it at face value a little bit and just accept like some of this is real and then some of this is is dream. I, I think. Yeah, and it's it's, not, it's unclear which so you know makes for uh, lively discussion. I guess. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, what what, what do you think <laughs> is real or not? Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> it seems like it's almost like all three of us have different interpretations of it. Yeah, no doubt. And, it, and and when I watch it again, I'm sure I'll have a different, you know. Yeah. And this one does hold up, uh, and I'm not saying you can watch it 20 times or something, but it holds up a lot better than um, that rabbit, I can give you, tell you that much. Yeah, I, I really like this. Um, I do not think it's uh, Cronenberg's best or even second best or even his third best movie. I'm not... Really, you put it like a middle of his uh, output? You know, it'd probably be number five. But I mean, I can tell you right now that I think, uh, just off the top of my head, I I love the fly a lot more. Um, I love a history of violence a lot more. I like the dead zone a lot more. Yeah, well, they all have uh, you know emotional arcs and uh, more identifiable characters and stuff. Well, they, you know what? They're just better told movies, and I just I don't know. I feel emotions there. Yeah, yeah. I don't really feel the problem with Videodrome. I, I've always had is just I don't really feel anything. I, I'm outside of just like disgust. 
You know, like I enjoy it and I'm thinking about things on a philosophical level and thinking about what, like, what is he trying to say with all this stuff? But none of it's really scary. It's just like, oh, this is like a sci-fi mystery film. And I kind of want to, I'm, I'm very interested in all the visuals, but you know, I don't know. And he even tries to give you jump scares throughout the movie. Like Cronenberg, like what? It don't really work. Yeah. He wants to say like Cronenberg likes to say that he doesn't do stuff like that, but fuck him. He does. You can watch this movie. There's jump scares and fucking music stingers all throughout this film. All right, guys. What are you rating this thing? Hmm. I guess I should go first because I'll have probably, uh, you know, having only seen it once, uh, I'm really intrigued by this movie. I think it's really pretty. I think they shot it really well. I mean, I, I, the, the camera choice, the compositions are really nice and the lighting's great. Uh, I enjoyed the score. The story's batshit crazy, uh, but I think the acting's really solid. Um, amazing effects. Uh, I think this is, um, I think it lives up to its cult status. And, uh, I, I think it's definitely defined as a uh, style for the director, uh, which, you know, I mean, it's, it's nice to, you know, that they say that a comedian needs to find his voice and, and a filmmaker needs to find their style. And, uh, the dude actually has a really nice style and you can feel that it's him. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch it again. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, and and that may grow uh, more as I as I become more of a fan, but uh, that's where I stand right now. That's fair, man. That's very fair. Well said. Yeah, I can't really follow that up. Um, I'm going to give it a six, kind of based on just what Brian was saying too. I agree. The character's not uh, the lead character is not really very identifiable or likable. I mean, you don't feel all that sorry for him when he does off himself at the end. But does he off himself at the end? Well, I, we don't need to go into it. We already talked about all that. But I'm just saying, you know, if you can fucking blow his brains out, uh, you know, uh, you don't really care, like you were saying. He evolves to yeah, the next right, level, no guys. That's what he's doing. Come on. We, we covered this. We covered it. I don't know. I mean, Cronenberg, I thought he did. Right. That was my interpretation of it. But then listening to Cronenberg's commentary, he's an existentialist, so he doesn't think so. He thinks... Uh, it seemed to me you, I mean, well, look, no, what, to... what Cronenberg was saying, like, it wasn't the next level in terms of, like, uh, some Jesus Christ uh, God thing. Like, it was the next level of Videodrome, but he was worried that everybody was going to interpret it as a religious thing, and he didn't want that. Okay. That's, yeah, the, that, that's all. So it was, the, it was the next level of, uh, whatever the fuck Videodrome's next level is. I don't, who knows what that could be. I like to think he got, he got into that uh, freaky deaky three-way. It's Hell binary yeah, so. with count uh, with the count from fucking Sesame Street. He's like one <laughs> and one. zero. Uh, uh, one pussy. Uh, 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 <laughs> two pussy. Uh, uh, uh. So wait, uh, Chris, what, what was your rating? You said did you say six? Six. I six. Oh, six. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Jared, you went seven, right? Don't base it off what we did, bro. You got to do it on your own. And, you know, I just I, I'm having to rethink this, man, because you know I was gonna I wasn't coming at eight because it is a good movie. Uh, it's really entertaining. I, it's a good movie. I do I do have a lot of I do have some issues with um, this movie not engaging me on anything else outside of an intellectual level. It the jump scares do f- kind of fail, and they are in there. You got to think about the time, Brian. It may fail for you now because you know. You no, know, it's it's always fallen, dude. I, I saw this uh, not too long after seeing uh, like movies like The Fly, and I got those jump scares. Okay, um, I I got jump scares from Carrie. Um, I saw all that stuff in the same age range. That this has never given me those. 
I mean, like the Brood, the movie he made before this. Um, like, well, two movies before this. I that I even I saw that later than this, and that that freaked me out a little bit. But this one, just I don't know. It's everyone calls it a body horror movie. I think of that in just in terms of like it's. I think of it as like it's a sci-fi. Yeah, it's body horror because things are happening to somebody's body. But this is just all right. sci-fi concepts, and I don't know. I just don't really. I, I guess it is a horror film because horrific things happen, and it's a little macabre. But I don't know. I, I I just would knock it for stuff in that, and the end I do find is a little confusing and kind of hard to follow. Because it feels like it's going to be a, a, a different movie, and then it just kind of turns into an espionage thriller, and then it just kind of ends, and it's just like, oh, well, you know, all right. Um, and I think that's kind of why people want to read into it a little bit, because it just kind of ends up being like scanners in the in the last 30 minutes of, of a, what is this, 89 minutes long? 88 minutes long? Yeah. 89, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It could be being too hard too. But uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna settle on a. I think I'm gonna settle on an eight. I think docking at two points for that is fair enough. Yeah, it's fair. And I, I, I feel pretty. I feel pretty good about everything else. I mean, it's it's definitely worth watching. It, it has earned, like you said, Jared. You're right. It earned its cult status for sure. No doubt. You've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. You want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right. Extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. You guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at moviecrewpod. Jared, where can I find audience follow you, good man? You can find me on Instagram at CheckTheGate, on Twitter at Jared B. Callen, and my other fine podcast, Horror Stories, on Apple Podcasts. And, Mr. Christopher O'Brien, you have two books that are on Amazon. What are the titles of them, sir? Well, books are not exactly a necessity these days, but uh, one is called The Force, J. Ackerman Oeuvre, O-E-U-V-R-E. Not my choice of titles. And the other one is called Lovecraftian Voyages, uh, both on Amazon, and the first uh, book I mentioned is available as a uh, Kindle or ebook as well. And do you have a you have, you have a Twitter or uh, anything you give no, out? No, I, I can't be followed. <laughs> oh wow, that guy! What's what's your what, what is it? Signal. No, I said I can't be followed. I, is is that your handle? I can't be followed. No, no, I'm saying <laughs> I, I I don't have any of that shit. I don't have Twitter. I don't have oh oh, oh I, I thought. I thought you were being like super badass. Ooh. I was like, what a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, that would have been a really cool name. You should have done that one. <laughs> Who's on first? Steal that shit now that we said it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We're going to be closing out this show tonight. With a little bit of the video drone soundtrack, we are going to be playing track number seven, Long Live the New Flesh, from composer Howard Shore. But uh, it's been modified by uh, some other uh, jackasses. So, you know, whatever. It's not as good, but enjoy. Enjoy.